If you've ever loved an addict, you may have reached an exhausted, painful point where you felt broken and were struggling to just keep it all together. I am Kim Moore, and this is Smiling Again, where in each episode we remind you that you are not alone. Together, one thing at a time, we will take small steps to introduce little changes into your life to help you let go, break free of guilt, and live with self-compassion so that you can feel good on the inside and start smiling again. This has been Smiling Again, hosted by me, Kim Moore. Let's walk this journey together, one thing at a time, taking small steps, little actions every day, which can help you let go and start smiling again. Don't forget, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. See you next week. Welcome to another episode of Smiling Again. Uh, this is quite a special episode for me today because I have with me Eric Hodgden. And Eric is a coach, he's an author, a speaker, and Zoe's dad. After losing his 15 year old daughter Zoe to suicide in early 2014, Eric found a way to get back. And through his grief journey, he's sharing the lessons that he has learned so that no one else has to walk alone on theirs. Eric has trained thousands of people who simply wanted to know how to navigate one of the hardest things that a human can endure, which is the loss of a loved one. Mm. Now, how Eric and I met is... Uh, it was a very, I think it was probably close to two years ago or a bit more actually. Yes. And I was looking for a coach to help with some storytelling because I had this desire to tell my story about losing Chris, my husband to alcoholism. And I had this thought that I could do some public speaking share the experience to help others and maybe one day do a TEDx talk. So that was quite some time ago. And the other special thing about today, Eric, which I haven't told you is that mm. it's exactly one year since I published my TEDx talk. Whoa. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. I love to hear that, Kim. Congratulations on that. So a year ago, it was finally <laughs> published, which was quite, quite a big thing for me. Yes. So I'm so grateful to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming to speak with us. Thank you so much for having me on uh, with your audience, uh, Kim. I just I'm I'm honored and grateful that we connected a couple of years ago, and uh, we uh, you just you did so much powerful work uh, between now and then, um, and it's just uh, wonderful to connect with you again. <laughs> When we started working together, I was in a very, very different place. And I was in a place that was riddled with fear, so much grief, so much grief, which yeah. I know I felt that you understood. 
and telling my story. My story was one that was filled with anger, guilt, some shame. I felt exhausted and broken and I just kept running through my head. Why does my life have to be this hard? Why Mm -hmm. did this happen to me? Mm -hmm. And that's where we started. Yeah, no, it is. And it was when you and I had that initial phone call, I was actually out in California working with a mutual coach of ours. And um, I was just uh, listening to what you had to say about your journey up to that point and where you wanted to go. Like you had a vision of where you wanted to be. And that included telling your story, not to have anyone feel sorry for you, but you, because you wanted to illuminate what someone and families go through uh, if they're working through uh, an, an alcoholic relationship of any type, right? And especially when you lose somebody to alcoholism. And so listening to your words and knowing which way you wanted to go, um, it was, it was again, it was an honor to be able to walk with you on that journey uh, of figuring out how to create your narrative, your story that was going to serve others and and uh you did a fantastic job of of working through that because it wasn't easy i know it wasn't easy oh it was it was terrifying (laughs) oh absolutely it was incredibly difficult incredibly emotional and what i wanted to talk with you uh what i wanted to talk about today with you is that whole idea of sharing your story in some form and I do want to stress that it doesn't have to be a TEDx talk. Right. <laughs> it, can, it can just be a private, a private journal. Yes, and, that's true. You know, with each word, with each word we heal is that is the experience that I have had. And each time I talk to somebody like this, like we're doing mm-hmm. now, I heal. Yes. It's hard and it's a little bit uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but it's pushing through the discomfort. And I say this again yes. and again, it's on the other side of that discomfort. That's where growth lies. Um, Absolutely. And you started me on that journey. Mm. I, it, that's the wonderful thing about what work you did on, uh, as you were trying to figure this out, Kim, um, you had access to some friends who were uh, very helpful and supporting you, walking with you, uh, on that side uh, of the pond, as they say, um, and you had uh, your own internal uh, narrative that you were working through uh, at that point, trying to figure out how um, to make sense of this, make sense of what happened. And uh, that's where I think uh, it's very challenging that when we are, when we're going through a setback no matter what that is, um, it is the story that we tell ourselves that makes uh, a difference in, in how we move through it. Um, it may paralyze us. It may, uh, it may propel us. Um, it, may, um, it may keep us stuck for years, if not decades. And so, you know, when you're, when you're working through these things and listening to, uh, you know, where you were at at that point, I think that was really key 
um, you know, as, as, as you are sharing these episodes with your listeners, uh, you're meeting them where they are instead of where you may want them to be. And that's so important, I think, on any journey um, that if I think if we can meet people where they are, uh, we can help them to discover maybe where they want to go and guide them. And we can use story as a vehicle to help that make that happen. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, I, th- I think when you first lose someone, it, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, I was, it, it knocked me sideways. It, yes. it pulled me down in ways that I never imagined I could be pulled mm-hmm. down because mm-hmm. I'm not the sort to stay down. Mm-hmm. I am the sort that <clears throat> carries on. But it was the carrying on and the carrying on that led to me being pulled down, I think, yes, <laughs> emotionally. So yeah. in, in your experience, tell, can you tell us a little bit about the grief journey, mm. um, you know, losing your daughter at such a young age? How do you survive that? Mm. I asked myself that same question, Kim. Um, I went to the hospital that night expecting to be able to comfort Zoe uh, to let her know that everything was going to be okay. And that we'll find a way through this. Instead, I was met at the ER door by the doctor who told me he did everything he could, but he couldn't save her. That news absolutely floored me. Hmm. I wandered the halls of the hospital for an hour I think maybe even more, maybe less. I don't remember who I called and what I said. I don't remember. But at some point, my sister showed up and she stayed with me until uh, I said it was time to go. I didn't want, I could spend as much time with Zoe as I was allowed to. Like they didn't, they weren't going to kick me out of the hospital. I didn't want to remember her like that. And so I'm driving uh, or I'm riding in my sister's car on the way back to my house. And I'm, I'm gripping the seatbelt saying to her, I don't know how I'm going to survive this. And what was running through my head wasn't so much just this immediate shock of losing Zoe, but rather remembering my divorce eight years prior and knowing that I went into a pit of depression And I was afraid that I was going to go right back into that pit of depression. Um, And I didn't want that to happen. Thankfully, the next day, when my house began to fill up with Zoe's friends and my family, and all of them were coming up to me, looking me in the face to, to make sure it was true, because maybe there was a glimmer of hope. And when I confirmed that it was true, they didn't leave. They stayed and my house began to fill up and it, and it stayed full for about two weeks. And so my experience right away of this setback uh, of grief was that of community and care and support. And that wasn't my experience when I went through a divorce. It was a very lonely experience. And so uh, grief is a journey that we have to walk ourselves 
you know, I can't walk it for anybody, but I can certainly walk with them. And when you and I had our first conversation, I was envisioning me standing next to you where you were on your journey and knowing that, okay, there's going to be some rough terrain that we're going to have to navigate. There's going to have to be some obstacles, but I've done this. I know the way so I can show the way. So let's go the way. Let's do this. And you did. And you could have backed down. You could have said, you know what? I'm good. I'm not going to do this. It's too hard. And it was hard. And you told me several times, this is so hard. But I think every time we had a phone conversation, um, there were certain questions that I would ask and you would reply in a way that was so uh, wonderful that I asked you to write that down because those are those little nuggets, those little glimmers of hope for your journey that you could remind yourself. And I think one of them was your friend who was reminding you to put your crown on. <laughs> Could you tell me a little bit more about that again? Cause I really, I love that. It, that was so powerful. I got emotional when you told me I'm thinking about it right now and I've, I'm welling up, but can you tell, tell me about that moment? Oh, I might cry, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good moment. It's a good moment. It is a good moment. Um, I'd been grieving for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I hadn't really cried much mm. and I got, uh, I had been to see the film, uh, a star is born. <laughs> oh my God. The floodgates opened after I watching bet. that film. Um, it was very triggering and, um, it just brought it all back to me and it was about one in the morning and I got this phone call from a friend in South Africa and I hadn't spoken to her for a very long time. And she just said, how are you doing? I had the feeling you needed someone to talk to. And we talked. And she was asking me questions about, you know, the clothes that I still had in the wardrobe and all the possessions that I still had, all of these things that were just weighing me down, tying me to a lot of memories and a lot of things that I needed to let go of. And she just pleaded with me to just let it go and to let myself go to cry mm -hmm. and let the shit out. Yes. <laughs> she literally said, let it out, get it out, cry with me. And I, I cried. And then after I cried, she said to me, she said, now, now you need to pick up that crown and put it back on. Mm. He doesn't want you to live like this. Mm -hmm. Put your crown on. That's how he wants you to live. That was pivotal for you. That's when everything changed. Yeah. Yeah. What, what started? So after that moment, what, what did you start to do differently? That was starting to make a real difference to give you some traction, if you will. I started to realize more of the conversations that I was having in my head. So I started to be more aware of the thoughts that I had and how those thoughts were um, driving my behavior. And because a lot of what I was doing was holding on to things and holding on to the past because of guilt of, um, you know, I was trying to honor our love, but in a right. way that kept me stuck. Mm. So I realized I was doing that and then started to make decisions for me 
not for Chris because he was gone. Wow. He was gone. And yeah, then things it doesn't it didn't change overnight, but mm. over time it got a little bit easier. Uh, so tell me a wow. little bit more about um, how you think story and the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. How do you think that can help somebody along their their healing journey and their through their grieving? Well, it, it builds trust. It's an, an, it's an accelerant to trust. When you are navigating your day, uh, going day to day, we never really know what somebody else is going through unless they share it with you. Strangers, family, friends. And story is a way to connect deeply with someone and become re- relatable to their pain, but also relevant to their dreams and what they want. And the wonderful thing with story is that we're all wired for it. It's built into our uh, brains. Uh, We're wired for what we have been for hundreds of thousands of years. And it's a mechanism to, to keep bind us closer together. And I, I remember, we remember story. We don't remember so many facts and, 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 and data. So when somebody shares a story with you and five years later, you're able to recall almost every element of that story and the details, that's because our brains are wired to retain that information versus if you told them a story and gave them a sheet of facts, they wouldn't be able to repeat one of the fact, probably about uh, 90 minutes after you shared those facts, they probably forget almost all of them. And so story is a way to open up your heart and mind and, and it accelerates trust. Now, if you combine story with some data and facts, if you need to, that's a, an accelerant to, to uh, help people uh, remember uh, certain things that you want them to remember. Like for example, um, I think and ultimately or initially uh, you saw that I was posting on option B, uh, which was a Facebook page started by Cheryl Sandberg. Cheryl lost her husband in 2015 while they were on vacation. And when I joined that group, I was trying to figure out uh, my own journey. And I was about a year and a half into it. And I, I, was, just, I was shocked. I was shocked because the narrative that people were telling themselves was one of, of survival being the end game of this journey, if they were able to reach that. In fact, 63% of the people that I polled said that they were merely surviving the loss of their loved one. Um, 20% said that they were feeling that, that their, their life was pretty much over, but there was about 13 to 14% of the folks that were saying, I'm actually, I'm looking forward to better days. 13, 14%. That, that shocks me that, that, that there's such a high number of folks that believe that survival is the end game of a grief journey. I don't believe that to be true because that wasn't my experience. And again, instead of telling somebody what, what they need to do, I want to remind people what's important about their life that, you know, Hey, it, 
we have, we all have setbacks and some are heavier than others. Some can keep you stuck, but if you had a path, if you had a set of tools to help you navigate that worst part of the journey to, to build that foundation of survival versus it being the end game of your entire journey, then perhaps you can build a foundation of a new life with renewed purpose and, and honor not only your loved one, but yourself along the way. To me, that is, is power in, 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 in repurposing your pain uh, generously to help somebody else who is struggling. Mm-hmm. And you brought this up a few minutes ago that story heals us. Mm-hmm. It absolutely does. Story heals the brain. And so uh, there's science to back that up. And so the more that we share stories in the service of others, it helps them, but it also helps you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think for anyone who's hearing this, who, who hasn't talked at all about their story, it can be a little bit daunting, mm-hmm. you know, hearing, you know, telling your story. <laughs> it can be, just be as simple as just start talking to someone. Yes, right. And for me, that someone was my journal in the beginning because that felt safe, you know, writing things yes. down right? and then finding someone to talk to mm-hmm. helped. Um, now, one of the things that you said is how story connects us to others. Yes, absolutely. Can you help us understand, you know, a little bit more about why do you think if, you know, let's say there's someone who is in survival mode because that's the end game, as you called mm-hmm. it, of surviving grief, that all you want to do is just literally survive mm-hmm. and you don't even think about yourself and living your life again. You're just mm-hmm. surviving one day right. to the next. Right. By connecting with others through your story, how do you think that can help change your perception of perhaps maybe there is more than just Mm. surviving day by day is you know yeah uh, that's a great question it's a great question because i think in if you do a search online for resources to help help you through the grief um i mean we 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 naturally turn to things that help us even if we are struggling um and when I say that when I went online, I was looking for resources to help me through this. I didn't want it to just stop at survival because I feel like what I was running into was resources that if they got me to survival, uh, to a place of survival only that after that I was on my own and, and I survival is here's the survival is necessary. It's just, we, it, the more we can make it temporary, and actually use that time to help us get our footing, to get back up, you know, to, to deal with those moments. Sometimes if it's day to day, or even sometimes hour to hour that you're working through this, uh, when you can uh, work your way through those moments and start to have some better moments and then some better days. um, Now you have some capacity to, uh, get into a phase of getting back up 
more consistently. You're building strength. You know, life is going to continue to happen. There's going to continue to be setbacks and things that stress you out, triggers, flashbacks, um, trauma, potentially, uh, anxiety, um, financial issues, so many things that could add to your to the pain and the grief that you're already feeling. And then you feel like you're just thrust back into that survival mode again. And so it's important to build that foundation that is solid enough to build a, a, a path forward, a journey forward that you, where you're, you're, you're strengthening yourself with every step, step you take, you're dropping off a little bit of the weight, every step you take. Mm-hmm. And I, when I think about that visually, um, that initial part of grief is so hard because there's so much that's just that everything has changed in a moment and you can't turn the clock back and you can't fix it. And as much as you want to just correct what is uncorrectable, it, 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 it can cause this brain fog that just uh, uh, shuts you down to some degree. And I think that's where people get stuck in survival mode or it's a component of getting they're, they're, they're relinquishing their healing to time. And when you were growing up, I know when I was growing up, Kim, one of the things I heard is that time heals all wounds. And I want to be clear with something on this. And this is something, this is a hard lesson that I had to learn on my journey. And your listeners might want to write this down that time is not the driver of your healing process. It is a companion mm-hmm. along the way. Can you say that again? Because that's yes. powerful. Time is not the driver of your healing. It is a companion. We have wow. to do the work, right? If you ever have a physical wound, if you, let's say you, you cut your, your finger and you put a Band-Aid on that, or you, put, you just take care of that wound, it takes time for it to physically heal. Um, there might be a little scar there. You're as whole as you're going to be after that wound. Um, but you, it takes time to heal. So in that case, uh, you know, you're, you're, you have to do something about that wound. You have to take care of it. There is work. If you don't take care of it, it could become worse. Or it could extend the time that it takes in order to heal it. Um, but this is an internal wound. This is an emotional wound that, that there's no band-aids for it. There's no antiseptic <laughs> for it. There is, uh, your, you are the, you are the antiseptic. Mm-hmm. You have what you need inside of you already. And I think you can use time in a very productive way. First of all, you've got to give yourself permission to feel what you need to feel and to go through what you're going through. There's no one right way to grieve. There's no timeline. There's no agenda. There's no pace, but your own. And so use time as a companion on this journey. I I can't tell you how many times people have said, it's been three months. Why am I not feeling better already? It's an emotional wound. They take longer to heal. 
what is the story you're telling yourself right now? Right? We can bring it back to story. Mm. If you're telling yourself, I'm never going to feel better again, or I'm, I'll be lucky if I survive this, or you know, uh, they're going to be upset with me. My loved one's going to be upset with me if I feel better. So I have to be in this place of misery for the rest of my days. Because we're not going to get the permission from anybody else to get back up and, 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 and move through this. And it's okay to give yourself permission. And sometimes if you don't feel like you can give yourself permission, just know that your better days are ahead when you do give yourself that runway and that permission to figure this out. You had to, Kim, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, and, you had and to. I think the other thing that's really important is that it's it's not a steady pace or mm-hmm. a, <laughs> a simple line that you follow. Mm-hmm. Um, there are moments when you make really good progress, and then there's moments where you experience setbacks. Wow. Yeah. You know, that, that, that happens repeatedly. And, and, you know, when you mentioned connection, I think connection is so critical because that's Mm -hmm. what's really helped me to recover from the setbacks faster Mm -hmm. because in the beginning I was very much alone and inward. Whereas now through my journey, I've discovered it's so much easier when you connect with others, when you have support from others Mm. Um, and just knowing that they're there to help pick you up. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I run at least 50 miles every month. That's right. Running's been a big part of my healing journey for so many reasons. Yes. But I haven't been doing much running in August yet. As of mm. today, I've done 16 miles. Wow. Okay. T- that's not very much. <laughs> that's 15.9 further than I've run this month. Oh. So that you're, you're good. <laughs> but a couple of weeks ago, I was out on a run and I was complaining about my back and, and because my back was so sore, I was easing off on running. And my, my friend said to me, so what are you going to do about it? Mm. Mm. And I said, nothing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a defensive response, but it stuck with me. And then I yeah. realized well, of course, I'm the one that has to do something. Yeah. And it's got me back on track I out, love of that, that. out of that slump. But it's because I had that community, the running community around me, that I was even able to have that conversation. Because in the beginning, those conversations were all in my head. Right. Yes. The stories that I told myself. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. you know, once I think this is the thing that I've learned from you, Eric, is once you start telling your story. Yes. You realize how much in charge you are of your story and deciding yes. what you want to write. Right. And there's sometimes it's, it's such a wonderful point that you're making. And I appreciate that because you actually just shared that quick story, that touch point story of, of running and your, your running mate saying to you, what are you going to do about it? Right. So it's, yeah. it's, I was picturing myself in that same situation. My therapist would challenge me in the same way because I would say some things to her. Um, I I remember sitting in her chair asking her, what am I going to do? And she's like, what do you mean? I said, what am I going to do? And she's like, Eric, you're going to get up in the morning and you're going to put your feet on the floor. You're going to get out of bed. You're going to get dressed. You're going to have breakfast. 
you're going to get into your vehicle and get to the commuter rail to get into Boston. You're going to work your full day of work. You're going to come home. You're going to have dinner and maybe do some exercise, depending if you want to do that. Then you're going to go to bed and you're going to repeat that over and over again until that becomes the normal. And what a, for, for that, that was a pivotal moment on my journey because the movement of, of keeping my day going in some way with some sort of routine allowed me to get unstuck. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to find any meaning in my life or meaning of why this happened, not to me, but for me um, until I had some sort of motion or momentum in my life. And so uh, forgive me, I don't know who said this, but I, um, movement and meaning are inextricably linked. And so if we can find ways to keep moving through a survival mode and moving through a phase of having some better days with some days that we'll still feel like we're on day one again, but continuing to move forward, we'll find that eventually we can live beyond the loss. And, and that is not to say that you won't have setbacks when you're in that phase of living beyond the loss. Setbacks happen in life and you just get stronger. You get better at being able to navigate those moments. And, but I do, I do appreciate you, you talking about how important it is um, to, uh, you know, to challenge that story that you're telling yourself, you know, is it the truth? And I invite your listeners to, to ask themselves based on the story they're telling themselves right now, is that the truth? What is the opposite of what you're telling yourself? Because mostly it's probably going to be that other thing. But when you're feeling as though you're just um, knocked to the ground, um, you might feel like I just don't want to put any effort into this. Right? I have no energy to put into this right now. And I can tell you that it is actually harder to stay in a mode of survival than it is to, to uh, endure uh, the pain of, of moving through it, mm. you know, survival lasts a long time and that's, that's relentless pain, relentless exhausting. pain. It's exhausting. <laughs> Absolutely. There's going to be pain either way. So why not choose a short-term pain of working through it so that you can get past it versus a living in the, the next 10, 20, 30 years in, in, in pain that just feels like it's just eating you alive. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you've given everybody, because with each episode, I like to give um, listeners just one thing, one thing to do, one thing to take away. And that one thing is just to ask themselves about the story that they're telling themselves. Yes. Is that the story they want to be telling themselves or is it time to create a new one? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How, how would you recommend somebody creates that new story? How do you create the new story? First, by deciding what is it that you want to have in your life? 
Mm -hmm. What are those things that you want to feel? Um, So in my case, I was feeling exhausted, broken, tired, pulled down, and I wanted to feel happy, playful, Mm -hmm. full of joy. So I related it to emotions. So, So that's where I would start in changing your story is, is for me, I looked at how I was feeling now and how I would rather feel. And if I understood how I would rather feel, then I could look at, well, what are some of the things that make me feel that way? And in the beginning, to be honest, I didn't really know what that was because I was Mm. so numb. Uh, Some people will know what makes them happy. For those who don't, then just start trying new things. Start doing different things because to have a different story, to have a different life, you have to behave differently. So try something you've never done before. Yes. In my talk, I say to everyone, dare to break free and allow yourself to blossom. (laughs) So just break out of it, break out of away from the fear and to try that new thing. I'll be going paddle boarding soon. I've never done that before. That sounds fun. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I started swimming in the sea. So I, that's how I would go about doing it and changing my story. Start with what I know, which is how I feel and mm-hmm. how I would rather feel. What mm. are the things that make you feel that way? Start doing them. Just uh, one thing that. a day. Not yeah. a lot, just one thing. And, and that gets you to smiling again. It gets you smiling again. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. But this is all about <laughs> Fantastic, Kim. I love that advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. I can use that myself. Um, I think always be open to learning. Always be open to learning uh, what's next on your journey. That we can't take all the steps at the at the same time. We can only take the very next step that's in front of us. Absolutely. So, love it. Thank you, Kim. Before we say goodbye, I end every episode with gratitude. What's one thing that you're grateful for, Eric? I am grateful that I am Zoe's dad. Beautiful. Hands down. Wonderful. And I thank you so much for sharing your story and to share how you've navigated grief and the the power of story and the stories we tell ourselves. It's been wonderful to have you here with us today. You're welcome. And thank you again. I'm deeply honored to have this conversation with you, Kim. Super. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. This has been Smiling Again, hosted by me, Kim Moore. Let's walk this journey together, one thing at a time, taking small steps, little actions every day, which can help you let go and start smiling again. Don't forget, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. See you next week. Thank you.